Welcome to the I Don't Give a Should show, a podcast exploring all the ways that women should all over themselves. How many times do you find yourself acting out of obligation or doing what everyone else expects from you without stopping to consider why? Where do all those beliefs that are driving you come from? If you're tired of feeling resentful, overwhelmed, stuck, exhausted, or pissed off, you are in the right place. Shooting all over yourself is a real thing, but it doesn't have to be in the driver's seat. I'm your host, Jen Sherwood, and I spent way too many years trying to prove that I was good enough and worrying what other people thought while avoiding conflict at all costs. Today, I don't give a shit. Well, not as many anyway, and neither should you. I'm talking to women like you who figured out how to stop shooting and start living. You're listening to the I Don't Give a Should Show, episode number three. Today, you'll meet Gangotri. Her story is fascinating, and I'm honestly not using that word lightly. She's a leadership coach and facilitator for Stanford's Graduate School of Business Interpersonal Dynamics course. She specializes in embodied leadership and interpersonal dynamics consulting for leaders looking to create a truly inclusive workplace and society. Among her many accomplishments, Gangotri's held leadership positions for large healthcare organizations, led yoga teacher training programs, and run several small businesses. Sometime after recording this podcast, Gangotri felt called to change her name. It was part of letting go of the shoulds and reclaiming her sovereignty. She is now known as Chan Chill. Hang out for a sec after the show, and I'll share why she was so drawn to this change. It'll make more sense after you hear her story. I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Okay. Let's not spend another minute. I'm so excited to hear your story. So why don't you just tell us what was it like when you were living under the shoulds? Yeah. Well, I want to say this first. I don't think I knew that I was at first. Mm, Agreed. I hear that. Yes. Very beginning. It was almost like I'm living my best life and doing the shoulds and going by the shoulds was like, the goal, right? Yeah. And when I started to recognize what was really happening, it was almost like a feeling of suffocation where you just kind of almost feel like the walls are closing in. There's nowhere to go. And at that point, it's hard to find a way out. It's hard to see a way out, I think. Yeah. I think I remember working with a coach way back in those days and the practice that she gave me, she said, I want you to go and get ice cream every single day. And your only job is to choose a flavor. Oh, okay. I like this homework assignment. Tell me more about this. I couldn't figure out what I liked. Yeah. What I liked. I couldn't tell you what I wanted to eat. I just remember that as like, I always remember that as being so profound, right? Yeah. Because it's like, you don't even, you're, you're so buried under all of the shoulds that you don't even know. You don't even know what you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's suffocating. It's um, a feeling of almost being lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you describe, so when you look back at that time, what did the shoulds look like for you? Because I'm imagining what they were, but I'd love to hear it. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's probably you did the next thing that was expected. So maybe it was go to college. Maybe it was, but but then I realized I don't want to make assumptions. I want to hear it from you. What did that look like? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm South Asian 
And so, and, and my family was also very, very religious. So growing up, um, I think a lot of the shoulds were just around like our day-to-day ritual, right? Like there, you know, when I was younger, I would spend probably an hour or two each day in ritual. And I'm talking like age nine and 10. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, you know, while now you can, you know, look at it from a mindfulness perspective and be like, wow, that's amazing. Not. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes from that place of should. Right? Yeah. And so I just didn't feel like I had any control over my days mm. to do. So there was that. When I was in school, um, I wasn't, you know, as an Indian woman, I wasn't supposed to be on stage, for instance. And yeah, uh. was like singing and dancing and drama and all of these things. And so, you know, it was like those things weren't allowed. Yeah. And um, I definitely pushed against them eventually. But um, yeah, those were, that was a lot of what my shoulds look like. And then, you know, like beyond that, just in, in life in general, you know, like the, if you look at the trajectory of what I was supposed to or should do, it was, yeah, go to college, get married. Once you get married, you serve your husband. There's sort of a narrative in my culture that when you're young, you belong to your father and you belong to your husband. And then after that, you belong to your son. Wow. Yeah. Don't ever belong to yourself. Wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And every time I say that, it causes me to pause. Yeah. It's worthy of a pause, frankly. No wonder you didn't know what you wanted. No wonder you were feeling suffocated. I mean, just that alone, I can see that. And I was imagining you as a person who has a passion for singing and being on the stage and the friction that must have been going on inside of you between what you wanted versus what you'd been told your whole life was acceptable for you in a culture that tells you you belong to your dad and then your husband and not to you. I can only imagine what that was like for you. What do you think was the catalyst? Because it's clear we're here talking about this today. So this is your life looks very different and we'll get there. But you said you were working with a coach. So what do you think was the catalyst that allowed you to sort of go a different course and hire a coach and do whatever? And, and I'd love to hear what you did, but what started the, the change in your trajectory, to use your word? Yeah. Well, I, so I have to say, like, even when I was under the sheds, there was always a little bit of a rubble inside of me, right? I love it. <laughs> I mean, there were times where I, I still did all the things in school, with, you know, even under the shits, but sure. I think the the biggest catalyst wasn't even a coach. A coach came afterwards. So I I was um, as I mentioned raised very very religious, and so we had what's called a guru, right? Um, growing up from the age of like sixteen, and our family didn't do very much without his permission. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so this man, like honestly, I thought of him as almost God, right? Like it was, this is who we worshiped. And so over time, you know, we used to go to his seminars. We would go back and forth to India to listen to him, all of these things. But then um, let's see about, I want to say 12 years into following him. Unfortunately, he sexually assaulted me. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That continued for 10 years. I did not question it. 
right? Yeah. Because I mean, this is the and I get that this is not like your everyday story. Mm-hmm. Hear this because it's the power of the shoulds. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great point. You know, like you you find yourself buried under it. I'm I'm I was not. I'm, I don't live in India. I I have a master's degree. I'm well educated. I'm a solid woman. Yeah. Still, I was in this situation. Yeah. Right. Without questioning it. Yeah. And so I remember one day when I did question it, I was actually teaching a yoga class. And up until that time, whenever I would ta- teach my yoga classes, it would be very like traditional as I had been taught, you know, like just do this, do this, do this, do this. And I honestly feel like because I had been practicing for a while and I was in contact with my body, mm-hmm. I had started to learn how to listen to my body. That day when I was teaching, all of a sudden I started asking my class to, to question themselves. And I was like, so what are you getting out of this yoga practice? Like, is it serving you, you know, or are you just kind of doing it because you think you should, mm-hmm. right? And so I was questioning this over and over in class. And after that class, I was like, that was a really different class, right? Like, that's not how I normally teach. Yeah. And I remember going into the bathroom and looking in the mirror and like having, sorry, it was like a big, oh shit moment. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And when I finally realized it, it was like, I don't know that it happened overnight um, because there's a lot of grief, obviously, that yeah, a situation like that. But I think that was the catalyst to recognize like, wow, someone who I had considered godlike. Yeah. Right. To see the reality of that and see the impact of the way that I was raised and my belief system and what that did to me in my life was really the catalyst for me. Imagine it had you questioning everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, like it had me honestly question my whole culture for a while. Yeah. But I think the the beauty of it is that I'm now able to reclaim my culture on my own terms. Oh, I love that. I love how you didn't let that experience really take that away from you, that you're owning it. It sounds like on your terms, in your way, your own way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's been an incredible experience. I'll give you um, like a little story. So I was raised like, as I mentioned, just very religious. And so there's a um, a mythological story in our culture called the Ramayana, right? And it's the story of Rama. And, you know, Rama is this man who's very righteous and has a ton of integrity and all of this stuff, right? So it's, it's his story. He also has his wife, Sita, is also a big part of the story, but the story is never told from her perspective. Right. Right. And so it was just, I want to say like a year and a half ago, I came across somebody had written another version of this myth from her perspective. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was just like mind blowing, you know, to, to hear all of these narratives from the other side of it and to see like, what is it really, what can it really mean? Yeah. An Indian woman. Oh, that's amazing. So it's just, it's been an amazing journey. And I I have to say like the shoulds suck. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And at some point, at least for me, they served a purpose. Yeah. 
You know, like the way that I feel empowered, I don't think I would have ever gotten to this place if I didn't live under that. You know, to be able to say that, to have gone through what you went through and to be able to look back on all of those experiences with gratitude really speaks to your character. I just think you are incredible in that way. And, you know, when you shared the story, the catalyst story, you said that's not everyone's story. And I get that, but I wonder how many women watching this actually can relate to that. And even if that wasn't the exact experience, I do appreciate what you said, that it still exemplifies living under the shoulds. And for most of us, those shoulds that really ingrain themselves in us as we were growing up, we didn't question those because we were kids and that's not what we weren't supposed to do that. But if we keep living under those shoulds as an adult, we're really denying ourselves. Like you didn't even know what you wanted to eat. But I want anyone watching who's listening to this to understand that's so common. We're just so disconnected from ourselves that we don't even know something as simple as what do we want to eat. So I just really want to reflect back on that. And what an incredible place you're at now, being able to have that perspective. And and also how how fortunate, if you will, for you that you were so practiced in yoga and so connected to your body that you had space to hear that wisdom. Because many of my clients, I'm sure you know this too, they live up here. They're not down here. And so that wise voice often gets completely overshadowed by all the overthinking and all the stressing and the shooting. They can't hear it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's why um, my focus is on embodiment. Yeah. Well, the, the power of our bodies is so important, right? And we get it's not bias. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. And that, and that you listened, that you took the time to say, wait, that was really different. What's really going on here? I think that's so important to take the time to question ourselves. What's behind what's going on? And that's where the, the magic is, if you will. That's where the secret ingredients are. If you really want to start understanding yourself to go deep. Yeah. So what does life look like now on the other side of all of this? Oh, wow. Um, well, it's been an unfolding process, right? Mm, yeah. It takes a little while to first realize like, oh my gosh, there's options out here, right? And yeah. The limit. And for a little while, it can feel overwhelming. I feel like actually you go through cycles of that, right? Of yeah. Like what is actually possible? Yeah. And then there's also the taking responsibility for it. Right. Because, you know, when there's possibility and when you now have choice, then there's also responsibility. Oh, I love that perspective. I was going to ask you to say more about that, but what you're saying is there is options, there are opportunities. And then what are you going to do with that? Right. Yeah. I love that. Right. And, you know, responsibility, I think is empowerment. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's like, I tell my kids, you want more freedom, then you get more responsibility. <laughs> Yes. So, you know, it's, it's amazing and it's beautiful and I get to create what I want to create. And, and for me personally, like, I just love being able to look back on my life and take what I've gained, take what I've learned and be able to turn that into a gift for the world. It's so inspirational. And it leads me to my next question too. So how has your own experience influenced the work. So tell us about the work you do now. And I'm curious how this journey has influenced the work you do now. Absolutely. I'm also a leadership coach and my focus is on women. Mm. And 
for this, this very reason. I think women, as you know, we all, most of us live under these shoulds. Yeah. It takes a lot to get out from under the narrative that many of us have been raised with Yeah, um, about what, we, what we're supposed to do, who we are, what our roles are. And when I look at the world today and where we are right now in the middle of a pandemic with all the chaos going on around the world, I truly believe that we're in need of more humanity. Yeah. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. Right. And when we look at women, you know, like one of my focuses is on feminine leadership. And when I talk about feminine leadership, I'm actually not even talking about gender. I'm yeah. All of the, the more of the feminine energies, which are more humane when you look at that. And I'm not talking about just the nurturing soft stuff. I mean, there's, there's some ferocity behind the feminine as well. Right. Yes. And so I'm talking about all of that and how do we start to reclaim that as a society? And I do think that women are in a better position to start doing that. Right. Mm. And so that's why that's my focus. And when I look at my own journey, you know, a lot of times, again, the feminine is sort of buried under this nurturing, soft persona Mm -hmm. that we, that, that are all the shoulds, right. But that's how we're supposed to show up. That's how we should be. But again, like there's this fierce side of the feminine that I feel like I needed to access to be able to get out from where I was. Yeah. Once I got out, I mean, there was still, there were battles to be fought. You know, like, I mean, I left behind my entire community that I had been raised with. It was almost like I, I, oh, yeah. Yeah. There and I started fresh. You can't do that with just the softness. Yes. Right. So there's a ferocity to be gained. And I find so many women are afraid of their own anger. They're afraid of their own rage. And I tell women all the time, I'm like, the rage is, is what you want to worship. The rage is what you want to be grateful for. The rage is what you want to honor so that you can transform that into ferocity, right? Yeah. You need to spew it. But if you keep it inside, it's going to burn you up. So do something with it. Would you say that culturally, and this probably cuts across many cultures, women are taught that being angry is not okay. This should side, you know, if women get angry, we might actually really make some change in the world. And so the way to handle that is to teach women that anger is not safe. It's so interesting that you say that we are very disconnected from that, but I've never heard anyone say it quite the way you just did, like to worship that. And to, I think what I'm hearing you say is to take that and put it into action. And that's where that ferocity is coming from. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. There's so much fuel behind it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good fuel though. I mean, I think that's the thing is we're afraid we're going to get angry and go you know, crazy and people won't like us and what, what's going to blow up and what's going to happen. But if you can utilize that, that's, I, I don't hear you advocating for people to blow up their worlds, unless maybe you need a blow up to start over. I mean, that's possible, but I hear you saying to harness that. Is that, is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> I just think, you know, like we're so afraid and all of us, you know, when we feel anger, I know for a lot of my clients, I think I was like this for a while. There's sort of this narrative that we start to enter into that I've done something wrong. Yes. Yes. And the truth is, is that if you're angry, 
chances are one of your boundaries have been crossed. Yeah. So it's not you. It's someone else. Yeah. And this is what we were talking about before, getting behind it. What is going on behind the anger? I I often talk about this too, that negative emotions, most of us want to shy away from it, but there's usually a message in there. Go in there and think about why are you angry? Why are you frustrated? Why are you irritable? Get in there and figure it out. It's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It's just, it's so important, right? Like those are the messages that come from our body because anger is usually physical, right? Yes. Feel it. Yes. So beautiful. This is so good. I imagine women watching this right now are like, yes, I want some more Gingo Tree. How do I find her? How can I connect with her? So would you mind sharing with our viewers how to connect with you, how they can follow you? Absolutely. So I have a website, which is um, GingoTreeGuard.com. I have actually a free workshop coming up next week, or no, two weeks from now on the 8th on boundaries and connection. Great. Um, so that's a great way to just kind of, you know, we, could, we get to meet live and you can get a taste of my work. But yeah, all of that information is on my website. So you're more than welcome to go there and, and um, follow me from there. Fantastic. And I'll put all of that information in the post with this. I cannot thank you enough. I found this conversation so fascinating. I really enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you for your frank sharing of your story and this vulnerability. I mean, I think it's a great, I honestly think it's such an incredible model for people to see that it is important to be real and authentic and look what happens when you do and when you dig down. So, oh my goodness, thank you so much for showing up and sharing with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jennifer. This has been a pleasure. Oh, for me as well. So I wasn't kidding when I said her story was fascinating, right? The name Gangotri was a name given to her by the abusive guru. It comes from the glacier that is the origin of the Ganges River. Chanchil said this sounds profound to many in her culture, but a glacier is also heavy and unmoving. Chanchil was a name given to her by her maternal grandmother in a dream. She'd never met her grandmother because she died when Chanchil's mother was only a year old. After her death, many of the elders in her grandfather's family thought it was best to destroy her pictures so Chanchil's mother could move on with a new mother. She was basically erased. Neither Chanchil or her mom have ever seen a photo of her. Chanchil has been feeling her grandmother's presence for a few years and was delighted when she came and gave her a new name. Chanchil means playful, chaotic, unstable, like the wind, and a little bit naughty. In her words, Chanchil said, I have always been the one to shake things up. So this name feels much more appropriate and in embracing it, I can feel myself putting the glacier down and finding a new lightness. It feels incredible. It also feels wonderful to be able to stand for my grandmother. Talk about shedding the shoulds, right? Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of I Don't Give a Should. I will see you next time. Hey friend, if you recognize yourself in these stories and you don't want to give a should anymore, you have to join my coaching community, the GC. Come learn the tools to recognize when fear and worry are running the show and how to shift into more of what you want without guilt or blowing up your life. Unless, of course, that's what you want. Inside the GC, you'll learn strategies to start making yourself a priority. Stop saying yes when you mean no. Have hard conversations and so much more. And you get to do this with a group of women who are making the same changes in their lives and are there to support you, not judge you. 
It's a seriously warm, safe space where genuine connections are made. The GC is where doubt and loneliness meet their match. You can get all the info at jennifersherwood.com slash the GC. But if you're not ready for something like that yet, I've got you. Head over to my website, jennifersherwood.com and hit the relief right now button. I'll send three ridiculously simple steps to go from overwhelm to ease.